This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 161 of the Dressage Radio Show. Stefan and Tina, planning and Connemara's. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com and Draper Equine Therapies at drapertherapies.com. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Philip, welcome back this week. Thanks for coming again. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back on. This is great. So tell well, me uh, what's new. Well, I had my horse show this week, last weekend. That's right. How'd it go? It, my mare was good. I was really pleased. It was uh, it was a local show. Uh, not a lot of people there. Uh, we hear later in the show, Cindy Ishoy talks about goals and and where to go, and and that's sort of where I am with this mare. I w- I wanted to take her to uh, our first recognized show and do third level. She got a qualifying score, and uh, she was very good. We didn't attack anyone in the warm up, and <laughs> she was <laughs> well behaved. And uh, I had some young horses we took as well, and and it worked out to be a really a really fun weekend. So uh, I was really happy about that. Now, do you find it tough to, to to ride and coach at the same show? How do you get that done? I do. I, I think some people are better at it than others. Uh, I'm We're lucky enough here in Lexington that we have a wide variety of shows. So yeah. the beginning of the year, uh, I was really focused on my two young riders and getting them to a show. Uh, yeah. But, it, you know, later in the, in the summer, it's a little hotter. We broke 100 today. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I took some young ones. So I, I try to balance it. I, I feel when I have a bunch to coach, I try to just coach. And, and then when I, when I take a horse myself, I really want to spend some time with that horse or, or the couple horses that I take. And, and that yeah. worked really well. Good. Good. So did you yeah. get a, what was the score? I was a 62 and change, but I'll oh, take it. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah it was bad. it was her first third level test three, and and that's a tough test. And uh, I, again, my expectation was just to go and 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 have her behave herself and handle the warm up. She has she has trouble with that. That's a big a big thing. So I've been working here at the farm when the arena when the arena is busy. I get on that mare and walk <laughs> her in there. So Good again, for you. it's. It's all about it's all about the the journey, I think, and, and we all well, have to just remember. overcoming overcoming every horse's challenge, right? Sometimes it's not the test that's a challenge. Sometimes it's getting to the show or riding in the warm up or, or whatever. Yeah, and I, I think that's what we all have to remember. You know, we'll we'll talk to the Olympic team uh, later in the show, but you know they they've kind of overcome those challenges. But when you have younger horses and and horses coming up, uh, this particular mare seven, uh, and I bought her in December. So you know, again, we're working out all those the, all those things, and and we can't take her to a to a selection trials trial yet. Hopefully, in in five years or so. Yeah, that sounds good. So, coming up on today's show, we've got Stefan Peters and Tina Conyot from uh, the U.S. team, of course. And then we've got a trainer tip by uh, Canadian rider Cindy Ishoy and uh, Canadian adult amateur uh, Lee Taylor, who uh, gives us a really interesting interview later on on the show. I guess before that, we've got uh, we've got a lot of news coming up. 
We do. And this week has been a big, a big week in news uh, because all the teams have been announced pretty much uh, the main, the main group. So the Great Britain team, this is a really interesting team, don't you think? Um, well, I think in all the teams, we're seeing a lot of new riders and new horses, you know, not necessarily people that we've, we've seen in the past. Um, so for Great Britain, we've got Laurel Bechtelsheimer. She's been doing really well the last couple of years on a horse named Mistral Horace. Along with her, we've got Charlotte Dujardin, who is riding an awesome horse and is uh, breaking records almost at every show with, uh, with Vallegro. And uh, her trainer, Carl Hester, is also on the team riding um, Uto- Utopia. Yeah, this is going to be a, a really good team. You know, they're, they they've got the home court advantage, uh, like we say, being in being in London. And uh, but this is a, this is a great team. We saw Laurel Bushleheimer here at the WEG, and uh, I really was impressed by her. She's a super quality rider, and um, Carl Hester has been to several Olympi- uh, you know Olympics. And uh, their individual is Richard Davidson, and he also has been to multiple Olympics. So this is going to be an interesting team to kind of to kind of keep an eye out on. I think everybody's going to watch, going to want to watch these horses from uh, Great Britain. They've got an awesome chance to uh, to take the gold this year. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. It's exciting. <laughs> Absolutely, and and on the on the heels are the Netherlands. Uh, it was announced that Anki is going to ride Sal- Salinero. Uh, For the third and that was- time. Yeah, for the third time, she certainly uh, has has been able to to keep pulling it out of the hat. And uh, Edward Gall on Undercover. This is a pretty pretty new horse for for Edward, but as we all know, he has uh, the experience, uh, and I think that is going to be really incredible to watch. And Adeline Corneliuson and Parseval. I think uh, that's going to be another fabulous horse to watch. Uh, that's a strong, unfort- a strong combination. And first of all, it's just been doing so well um, over the past couple of years. And so they've got a little bit of a combination between, you know, experienced horses and, uh, and new newcomers. So that's uh, going to be exciting, exciting time for the, uh, for the Dutch team. So in other news, uh, Hungary actually withdrew their bid for the 2018 World Equestrian Games and their fortunes remaining. So that was an interesting development in, in the WEG news. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, going through a games here at the horse park and being a, a huge part, it, it is a enormous undertaking. Um, well, it takes a lot so- of money and a lot of support, that's for sure. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens with uh, that 2018 bid. For all those Totalist f- fans out there, Matthias Roth uh, has mononucleosis, uh, which I have, I have never had mono, but I have had students that, that have and it. And it is a, a dangerous uh, disease, and uh, he's not going to be able to ride at Aachen. Well, I hope he's going to be ready for the Olympics. That can be a long recovery from, from mono, that's for sure. Um, I think it can but- be. But I'm sure I'm sure he'll get it done, and uh, and we'd love to see Totalis and and just all the top horses going head to head, you know, at the games. Agreed. I think uh, you know I, I feel for Matthias, poor guy. He uh, he has a lot of pressure on him as it is, and uh, yeah. to be not feeling well. And uh, uh, the report said that his his dad is going to ride the horse, so hopefully they'll keep him in in top form uh, during his break. I think he has to have two weeks no riding, um, so that that's going to be a hard thing for him. To, to keep going. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So 
This week, again, we are so excited to have Stefan Peters and Tina Cognat uh, talking about uh, what's happening in training camp and what's going on before they head to London next week. Um, so we're, we're excited to have them and really, really happy that they're here. And we have Cindy Ishoy, who is uh, one of your mentors. And, and yeah, I've worked with her for a long time. And, uh, you know, everything that she's ever taught me, I use almost on a daily basis. So hopefully um, she can bring us some, some pearl of wisdom for our trainer tip today. And then for the final, we have a uh, adult amateur spotlight. One of your students and your farrier uh, is well, going to give us... she's my farrier, but not my student. But, uh, okay. Yeah, I know her real well. She's good friends with, with me. And, uh, and she has, as an amateur, trained her own horse to compete at the PSG I1 level in, uh, against the big wigs in the, in the CDIs. So she's got an interesting story anyways, and, uh, and it's going to be great to hear. I think all our listeners will enjoy it, and I, I certainly uh, look forward to hearing from her. And uh, no, it should be fun. And, and we like the adult amateur spotlights for all our listeners and, and even ourselves because I think as trainers, you know, sometimes we forget uh, how difficult it is uh, to compete at that level and, and just compete in general and, and well, keep and your have horse a job, fit. having a different job. I mean, we're lucky. We don't, we don't really have another job to do. And, uh, you know, uh, our priority is always on the, the horses and, and the riders and the training, and, and that's not always the case. So uh, it's great to hear from a different perspective. So we are so thrilled to have Stefan Peters and Tina Cognat right after this commercial break. Hi, Glenn the Geek here, and I'm here with Kat from Draper Therapies, and they have something exciting they need your help with. Tell us about it, Kat. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in. Uh, today, we'd love to be able to share with you an opportunity um, that helps small businesses here in the United States, and this actually happens to apply to us today. So Draper has applied for a small business grant, um, which is through Chase and Living Social, and it gives us the opportunity to have almost $250,000 available to us. So it's a ton of money, which would really not only help take Draper to the next level, but it would also really bring health and wellness available to everybody, which is kind of what our core statement already is anyways, but this would help just bring it to a whole new slew of people, which is really amazing. Um, we're hoping that the grant can keep manufacturing and jobs here in America because Draper is all based here in the U.S., which is really exciting as well. Um, to help us out, if you want to just go ahead and log on to Facebook, you can find Draper Therapies just by typing in Draper Therapies on Facebook, or you can just type in facebook.com slash Draper Therapies, and all the details are on our website, but it's really easy. You just log into missionsmallbusiness.com, and in there you just log on, and it's with your Facebook page, and all you do is you type in Draper Therapies again, and you click vote, and you're done. Really super easy, and it could help us tremendously with what we're trying to go after. Well, that's terrific. I think it's a great idea. Everybody, just uh, find them on Facebook at Draper Therapies or go to drapertherapies.com and you'll find all the information there. We love it when you help support our sponsors and our guests, and you have in the past, and we hope you will this time. Thank you, Kat, and good luck. Thank you. Tina and Stefan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Dressage Radio Show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are... Yeah, oh, you're welcome. We are all excited to hear how things are going uh, at your individual training camps. Yes, exactly. It's um, starting uh, as soon as we get to England, and, uh, you know, horses are going well. Uh, Ravel has arrived here in Gladstone as well. And um, so far, 
I couldn't ask for more. Everybody's happy. And um, in fact, tonight we have a little team gathering here. I'm sorry that Tina's not there, but I, we just fired up the barbecue, and well, I'm going to cook for everyone here in about 15, 20 minutes. Oh, it's a pity I'm not there. I would love to have a cook-off. That would be fun. <laughs> so they're partying without well, me. Boy, I'm here all by yeah, myself. Don't, don't you worry. As soon as you get here, Tina, we'll, you know, we'll have a lot of uh, expertise now in ribs and steaks, and uh, <laughs> we're ready to cook for you, too, when you get here. We always have a good time together. There's no question about that. We have a little bit of experience about being together, and it's an awful lot of fun and an awful lot of support of each other. So I look forward to that. I choose to come home after the trials for uh, just a couple of weeks, and um, I look forward to getting back to Gladstone with my buddies, my teammates there. That's good. Um, Both of you competed at the World Equestrian Games. How have you developed your horses since then in, in preparation for the Olympics? Um, you know, it, it's been an exciting year for uh, for Ravel and um, Lindas. You know, if I I said early on this year at the Masters, uh, Ravel was already in top form. Uh, we did a couple more shows in California, including Ravel's um, highest score in the Grand Prix Special at an 81%. And there, there's really not more I could ask from uh, this horse than his his younger brother came along. And um, he did he did really well on the West Coast too, and um, we decided to take it real easy with Ravel in um, April and May. He had a little break, and now he's um, back to competition mode and competition fitness. And um, you know he's he's still making his little brother a little jealous, but he's you know they're they're working pretty good together. And Tina, the same question about uh, you know from WEG to now. Um, how have you developed Collecto 5? Well, I think there's a, a in God, thank God, there is a, a big difference from the way to now as far as the development of Collecto and I, the combination of the two of us, we've improved immensely as far as our competition status. And uh, we had a little bit of a, a tough beginning to the season. Um, it was not such an easy easy beginning for us. I had some, some personal problems with losing my my greatest love of my life, one of my dogs, and I had a tough time dealing with that, and so it, I think it affected my riding with my own horse and um, at the Masters, which I had great hopes of competing as well as the, as the year before that. He ended up uh, tying up there, and which was quite a, a unusual situation. It had never happened before. So um, we didn't have an easy, easy beginning of the year, and then we slowly started to pick it up uh, after I had to put my animal to sleep and March and April became stronger and stronger and I cleared my head from that the personal trauma I had and and he feels very very good you know all of our horses are I think are in top condition they're in top training form as far as their lessons it's just a matter of keeping them um, at the highest level of um, their, their fitness level to be at the highest level and health level so that's been a very important factor for Collecto, and uh, I've paid more attention to that. He's a big horse, big, you know, dark horse, but, the, you know, the temperature can affect him quite a bit, and he always tends to carry more weight than he should, and that's probably my, uh, obviously it's my fault. So I've paid very close attention to that and made a great effort to keep him fit. So going into the selection trials, I had, um, you know, three holes less on my girth, so I could show 
coach Ann Gribbins that I, you know, really made that effort. And that was just about, not about working harder, you know, training my lessons harder. It was just strictly about the fitness level and where we are in Canada. We have such beautiful hills and beautiful sandy ground, you know, grass-covered sandy ground that we're able to ride on. And uh, I train him a, a very specific way up and down these hills that keeps him strong and healthy and his fitness level has increased immensely. And that's my greatest difference um, that I have. And also, I've learned a little bit more to focus how important it is. And I, I thank um, Ann Gribbins for that also. I mean, she's made a difference in me personally on my focus level of my riding. And I'm very grateful for that. So that affects my horse. And Stefan, how how do you, how do you stay focused too? I think that's a question that all uh, riders ask uh, their coaches and themselves. Kind of how how have you been able to? You, you you're so amazing at doing that. So how have you been able to do that? Um, you know, I've been very lucky to you know to have Legolas and you know stay sharp in the show arena. And I think that is no no matter how much you focus mm-hmm. outside the ring, it it really depends. On, on your performance in the arena. And even if you practice tests at home, you, you've got to do the shows. And yeah, even if it's yeah. a smaller CDI, you, you've got to get in front of the judges, but it's always the most important way of um, showing that that you still have the level of performance that you need for the Olympic Games. And then I have to say, um, our, our uh, sports psychologist, Dr. Jenny, she's been very, very helpful. I had a few phone conversations with her and then met here in uh, Gladstone with her a few times. And just that little bit um, extra mental toughness is is always very important. Let's face it, there's um, a huge expectation at the Olympic Games and she always has some very good little tips to to even improve on that. So, you know, the bottom line is we're ready. I can't agree more with Stefan. It's such a, I mean, he couldn't say it any better. And he adds something there that uh, I wish I was able to do. And it's, he had such, he hit the nail on the head when he said to be able to be in that arena. That's the only thing that I can say I lack as far as, uh, I mean, I can focus and mentally I'm a very balanced uh, person and I don't get, I don't have nerve issues or anything like that. But what Stefan said is about, you know, being out there and doing it, even if it's, you know, getting into the CDIs, getting out there and doing it. I wish I had more horses to ride, and that's what sometimes the Europeans have a little bit advantage over us is that they have multiple horses that they're able to go and ride a Grand Prix, so you're not wearing out your own best horse, and um, I, that's an important factor. I so agree with, with Stefan on that. I, I wish I was able to do that. So I think I'm going to have to go out there and, and ride my pogo stick or something. And go and go. <laughs> <laughs> But the, but the good thing we do have um, another optional show in in Hickstead. It's a it's a CDN. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and we're all I doing think, that. You know, yeah. Anne suggested this um, show for all of us. Uh, we have the option of riding uh, just the Grand Prix. We could do the Grand Prix and the Grand Prix Special. Um, it's a couple hours away from um, from the training camp in England, and I think it's just um, a real nice way of uh, putting the final uh, polish on everything. Absolutely. So the uh, you know credit to to Coach Ann Gribbins who you know plans everything perfectly. So this all starts uh, next week. We're and all I psyched honestly about can't, that. That's can't a great wait to way. get over there. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. 
just going a different way with the questions, uh, do you guys have any superstitions or charms that you that you use going into a show? Maybe, Stefan, you want to answer first? Yeah, you know, I honestly think superstition is a good thing because <laughs> superstition is a good thing because you do obviously associate something that you pick with something positive. So, I mean, you don't just pick an item or a routine or whatever you pick. There's usually nothing negative about it. So, I, I really believe it, it's, a, it's a positive thing, and I, you know, on a competition day, I have, um, you know, a certain amount of um, bridges that are generously sponsor, sponsored by GPA, and um, there's there's one that I wore on the first day and the second day, and I have one that I use on the final day. And I used to be like that. I mean, Tiger Woods has a red shirt for his for his, for his final uh, day of the tournament. And you know what? I I believe I do, that I do it, the it same. works for me. Yep. And you know, I used to be pretty crazy about that with my tail coat, but then GPA made me a generous offer to wear their tail coat. So I was a bit concerned, but it it worked out. The new tail coat is. Um, <laughs> working out beautifully, but the bridges, the bridges are still the same. <laughs> I think that our superstitions are also just our personal feelings, and you know, either you believe in superstitious acts or, or you don't, but uh, we like to keep things the same, no question about that. And I, I have to laugh yeah. at, at that, what Stefan said, but I agree. I mean, I do have my breeches. I have my breeches I just packed, and I have my breeches laid out for, for each event. It's and, you, and the same one that I wear all the time. It's very interesting. And the same the, the specific tail coat I have. I haven't had any generous offers to wear a tail coat. I've had generous offers to wear other uh, apparel, but I don't think uh, I could ride in them actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you guys could could sell a little I, bit of that. I think I think there could be exactly. something about that. For but sure. you don't want to change anything. We all have our routines no, and our exactly. horses. I mean, Collector travels. I mean, I wanted to make sure he had his teddy bear with him. I mean, that's a little bit superstitious and in routine that you don't want to change anything. Not just for ourselves, but for our animals. They have a certain yeah. you know certain routine for them, and, and they have to make a change. I mean, both rider horse have to make a change when you travel yeah, in, exactly. in that competition level, and venues change, and stables change, but uh, we want to keep them as happy and as comfortable in their environment. So I got the okay that his big stuffed teddy bear can go with him, so that's, that's a good thing. That's oh, well, I, 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 I forgot one more item. Um, Ravel was very generous in, in winning a watch at the... Um, at the World Cup in 2009, and that particular watch I always wear during competition, and you know, hoping that that's a good omen as well. I I think the watch that's a that's a great one. So, uh, Stefan, you first, but what is your highlight movement on both of your boys? You know, that's probably the the, the canter work with Ravel. Um, you know, the, Ravel has a phenomenal canter, and um, the pirouettes. The, the flying changes, the half passes have been um, phenomenal for it for so many years. It's uh, trot half passes, and I still feel like in the last um, few months he's made some improvements in the PF Passage work, and that is also Legolas' um, strength. I mean, here at the championships, um, he received uh, some ninth here and there a tenth for the PF, um, combined that with a very relaxed walk, um, you know, made in... Um, Come up with an 80% after the after the trot work, and you know the canter work still needs a little um, little bit more relaxation, a bit more throughness. 
a um, little bit more reliability, reliability in the flying changes. But already very excited um, with you know the movements that I just mentioned. Uh, I would have to say his counter tour. I mean, it's a, it's so beautiful his counter tour. The um, that's the you know the presence of a stallion and in the counter that he has. It's just absolutely fantastic. I can and rack up so many points in my counter, and um, I've been also improving an enormous amount in my my trot work. I've always had a little bit of a funny, loose hind leg that sometimes is is too expressive and can go everywhere at at, at the same time. And we've made a great effort to keep that package and keep it contained, so the trot work is becoming. Uh, very, very steady, uh, steadier in the connection, and I'm getting some beautiful, beautiful trot half passes, which always was a bit of a struggle for me. Um, the passage can be extravagant, and then it can be too extravagant, so we've been working on that also, but I think that the highlight for Collecto is that his presence in his counter work is so very, very special, and just I think just standing there for Collecto, I, everybody seems to, to you know, ooh and ah when they see him because he does have the little extra stallion stallion presence to him. Maybe one more question for you guys, a non-horsey question, but uh, what other sport maybe would you like to, uh, would you like to watch uh, while you're at the Olympics, if you could? You know, I always liked uh, track and field. And after the last, after the last Olympics, um, I had a chance to talk to Michael Phelps a little bit at, a, at the uh, reception of the White House and, you know, send him some pictures of the president. And he actually responded. So, you know, obviously, um, it would be very interesting to see him watching a couple more medals and um, making it an Olympic record for him, making it the first athlete with uh, the, the amount of medals. And that would be exciting to see. And the neat thing is um, there are tickets available for um, for the athletes. You know, we just have to go into the Olympic Village and find out on which day certain tickets are available. So it, to answer your question, it will be track and field and swimming. I would have to go the same direction. I've always been a fan of the track and field. I, I absolutely am a huge fan of that. Uh, swimming is also something very special. Diving and the um, gymnastics, and gymnastics gymnastics may be even to the track and field. Actually, it would be probably on an even scale. The gymnastics. Uh, well, I hope you get. To, I hope you get to see some of that, guys. We yes. intend to. We have <laughs> Stefan a, a great time, an exciting, exciting, exciting time for us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Stefan and Tina, we wish you all the best of luck, and we're going to be cheering you on, everyone that listens so to the much, shows please. and ourselves. And we, I can't, I, I'm you. sorry, I enjoyed your time here when you were here during the WEG, and, and I wish you as much luck and uh, great, have a great time. We thank, thank you. you. We'll we do can, the best we possibly can. <laughs> thank you, guys. Have a good one. Extra luck and- and we certainly appreciate uh, the support from, from you guys and all the listeners. It's honestly much appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. Good luck. Stefan, look, look forward to seeing you soon, Stefan. And thank you all See so you very week, much. Tina. All the best, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Philip, that was really fun to have Tina and Stefan. Great interview, huh? Yes, and we are so looking forward to how they do, and and they will stay in touch with us and let us know how the games are going and how they enjoyed the, the track and field. Awesome. Awesome. Well, next we got our adult amateur spotlight. And today we have on Lee Taylor, who is uh, a Canadian rider 
who rides a Connemara horse and uh, has recently competed in, in, uh, in the Pre-St. George I-1 level and uh, in a couple of CDI events. So uh, it's going to be really great to hear about her experience as an amateur competing against the big, uh, the big names in Canadian dressage anyways. Hi, Lee. Welcome to Dressage Radio Show. Thank you, Philip. Um, can you please tell us about your horse, Padraig? My horse, Padraig. Yep, he is a purebred Connemara pony. Uh, he stands about 15 two hands. He is bright dun, so he's the dun in the Connemara is like a buckskin. So he's a golden color with a black mane and tail and full black points up to... Uh, pretty much up his whole legs. So trust me, we do not blend at the dressage shows. Yeah. I had and tell us, very... tell us about how you, how you got Padraig and what you've done with him and everything else about him. Well, Padraig came to me through a stroke of really good luck. Um, I was between horses and we had just bought a larger farm and I didn't have a budget to, to go out and purchase a, a show-type horse. Some clients of mine had imported him from uh, the United States about five years prior to them deciding to give him to me, uh, but they had had some unfortunate incidents with him, and he had basically been standing in a field for five years. Um, so he didn't have a good reputation. He was reputed to be quite difficult to ride, and uh, I don't know, for some reason they thought perhaps Lee would like him. So, <laughs> so anyway, I brought him home, and I started him up, and he was, he was almost unbroke. I don't know who sold him to, you know, a novice adult rider, but... Uh, Anyway, he, he had a lot of natural ability, and uh, we kind of got things figured out, and it's been a wild six years that I've had him. I, I, he was meant to be an event horse, but he's really slow because um, he has a lovely, uphill, beautiful cadence canter, which is perfect for dressage, but kind of crummy yeah. if you have to go out on cross. But uh, I did event him. Uh, but realized quite quickly that his aptitude was really for dressage and his enjoyment was dressage. And uh, here we are six years later in the pre-St. George ring. So, Tell us a little bit about what it's like um, competing as an amateur in the, in the CDI shows and what that experience is, is uh, well, brought to you. It, it, I think if someone had told me like two years ago or three years ago that that's what I'd be doing, I would have been like totally frozen with fear. But um, it's it's been an evolution, right? I started a little bit in the in the amateur classes that are offered here, the advanced amateur classes, the pre St George, and we did quite well there. So it was like I don't want to keep riding there and doing well. So you need because you need to push on, right? So I took him in the open ring, and we were doing you know credibly. Uh, we, we wouldn't often win, but um, I decided last year. Uh, 2011 to uh, declare him for the Pan Am team, and one of the thing, one of the criteria was that you had to go to a CDI. So I was like, okay, there was only a couple in Ontario that year, or one in Quebec and one in Ontario. So I decided to go to the one in Quebec, and it was fairly intimidating because when it's a Pan Am year, the class size is like triple. There was like yeah. 35 horses in the class, and you know all the team riders and all the important people, and it was it was a little bit stressful. It was. Um, you know, and I'm riding a horse that just, you know, glares out there because he's <laughs> yeah, you can pick him than out. everyone else and he's not yeah. the right color and, you know, I'm absolutely no one. But uh, anyway, it's taken a good year since then. Like, we, we didn't do all that spectacularly there because you, you lose some percentage points when you move from a national to a CDI. And yeah. uh, But we got some additional help 
when I came home from from the that first CDI that I did, I thought, okay, you know, we're really not there. I'm not going to do any more until he's in a better. We're both in a, you know, we're more confirmed. So I took some uh, training from um, my trainer, Jill Stedman, who had brought me along to that level. Said, you've got to go and get some better help from someone more experienced at the levels because Jill's uh, primary focus was competitive riders, sort of first to third level. And, yeah. and we were starting to push the envelope of what she was able to start making improvements with. So she sent me to um, Andrea Bresse of Dunraven uh, Dressage, and she made a, a few, you know, kind of major changes, and we saw some pretty remarkable results immediately at the national shows. I went out and started, you know, getting the, the 65s and the 67s that you want to see, which is, you know, pretty amazing for an off-breed horse with a, kind of an off-breed rider on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it's, any it's points for being there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Lee, tell us, I mean, you work full-time as a farrier. How do you fit competing at CDIs into your daily life? How do you do it? Well, I get up really early. <laughs> it, it is a long day shoeing, particularly in the, in the summertime. Shoeing has a bit of a seasonal, you know, uh, cycle to it. I'm, I'm certainly much busier in the summer than in the wintertime. So in the winter, I'm able to, you know, I usually board Padraig somewhere, and I'm able to fit it into the day somewhere. But in the summertime, I, I do. I get up at 5.30 here and because he, Padraig comes home for the, the summer. He, he lives here at our farm. And, uh, and he lives outside 24-7 just for anyone that thinks you can't compete on a horse at a high level and do that. He lives out in the field with his buddies. And, uh, yeah, I pull him in from the field at about, I'm on by about 6.30. And I ride before I go to work because I'm too tired when I get home. I don't have enough courage for that <laughs> after the day of shoeing, especially in 32 degrees like today. That's how I do it. And, and because I work for myself and my clients are horse people, they understand, you know, if I plan around going to a horse show. And then they're all very supportive, and it's it's really fun. So I just got back from uh, CDI in uh, Blaineville, Quebec, and it was it was a really fun experience. So what I'm noticing this year is that I'm starting to uh, get some acknowledgement and respect from some of the other riders. Um, you know, they're starting to say really nice things about me and my horse, and that's that's really gratifying. I mean, we're still not exactly winning out there, but, you know, our scores were up 4 or 5% over where they were at the CDIs last year. So as long as we keep moving along, I'm happy. <laughs> well, what what are the future plans for, for you and Padraig? Well, um, just due to some... I was hoping to go to Devon this year and take him, but... I think there's some circumstances going on with um, our business situation here and, and some family health issues that I probably won't go this year. Um, but I'm working really hard on the Grand Prix movements, and I'm hoping that that's the next step for us. So we're just we're struggling a bit with the Piaf, but Padraig's changes are excellent. Um, he uh, he's got his ones, and he's got a very nice passage. So. If we can get the Piaf nailed down a little bit, then I'm I'm hoping next year we're at least doing I I two and uh, and looking towards uh, Grand Prix. That's awesome. Wow. And Lee, what would you say your biggest challenge is, and uh, how do you overcome it? My biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I because I do I am an amateur and I, I work. I do only have the one horse to ride, um, and I, I guess that's a double edged thing. You know, I can really focus on him, but. Sometimes, you know, you get off and you've just kind of grasped a concept and you'd maybe like to go and try it out again. And it's like, mm, don't have anything else to try it out on here. So, um, it, and, you know, it's the whole experience, the inexperienced 
thing, too, with the levels. Like, before Padraig, I had never had a horse go past second level. So it's it, it's double whammy of he's new, I'm new, and how the heck do we do this? So, But we're, we're figuring it out, so... Yeah, I mean, I you know, I know you, and and we see you all the time, and uh, and obviously the scores keep getting better, the horse keeps getting better. It's just a it's just a wonderful it's a wonderful story. To, he's, uh, he's an amazing amazing horse, and I can't say enough about um, him as an individual and and the breed as a whole. I mean, they're not they're not a very common breed. There's not a lot of them. But they're amazing athletes. I mean, as event horses particularly, um, jumpers, they're just remarkable individuals. So. Well, and you went out and got another one, didn't you? I did. I went down to Ohio and, and picked myself up one. It's a, a half-brother to one that uh, Lendon Gray has uh, that's doing pre-St. George. So um, I'm hoping he'll follow I, in the first I step. Hope, I hope so. I'm just getting that. him started today, but... He, uh, we we thought we'd maybe try canter today, but I guess it was too hot or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, do you think there's a big advantage to to you know for a smaller person to be riding a smaller horse? I think it's good to see that not everybody needs to ride a seventeen two hand monster. You don't, and and you know, there's all those myths about dressage that you know you have to have a warm blood and you have to have it has to be eighteen hands, and there there are challenges inherent with riding something as obviously different as as Padraig is but i mean i can i can ride him i'm a small person myself i'm 5 foot 3 and uh i fit him i can actually groom his back things i couldn't do with my 17 hand horse um and i think it's it's i don't know we make a better package i get that comment a lot from the judges that we're a very nice pair you know we're well matched i don't look yeah. like a peanut on an elephant and um <laughs> It's uh, it's really, I don't I don't think there should be a stigma for size. It does make making some of the movements look as good a little bit different. And I noticed that the more the judges see Padraig, the more they begin to see more clearly the quality of his movements. But I, I mean, it's a little bit shocking, obviously, if we come in the ring after something that you know moves like Totalus. It's it's just not <laughs> the same picture, you know. So. Yeah. But I noticed this, the, the more they see him, and this is, I had a chance to do a little bit of work with um, the team leader and stuff last year, and he, he said the same thing. He said, you have to get this horse in front of the judges. They're not used to seeing horses this small at this level, and everything looks a little bit different. You know, it takes a yeah. little bit longer to ride the, the shoulder-in lines, the half-pass lines, the diagonal and the extended trot appears to go on forever. So it, it does. It just takes a little bit longer that, you know, he has to be that correct. So it, I, think, I think I have to be a little bit more accurate, and certainly because he's different, a little bit better than, you know, just to get the same score, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think the quality training comes through, no matter what the size of the horse. And, and yeah, maybe it takes a second look for a judge to, to see that. So that's uh, it's been... A very interesting conversation, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on. It's, thank you, Lee. Uh, I think oh, everybody is pleasure. aspiring to ride in the CDIs anyways. And uh, for an amateur who has a full-time job and this and that, it's just uh, it's, it's awesome to see. So I, I'm so glad you came on today. Oh, well, thank you. I hope I get that a lot from the people at the shows. But, you know, a lot of people will come up and talk to me just because he's different and we appear approachable. And, 
and they're like, you know, you've, you've made me believe that I can go home and ride and, and do this again. And, you know, yeah, I think, inspiring. I think, I think people get discouraged because they think they need the, you know, imported 18-hand professionally trained horse. And, you know, if you work at it and, and you get some good coaching, it, anyone can do it. We'll be right back with our training tip after this commercial break. Hi, Glenn Geek here, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. And we're going medical this week, aren't we? Yes, we are. I wanted to feature the Vetricin Wound and Infection Hydrogel. All of this Vetricin stuff is really good. I, it's amazing. And not only do I know that it works, but all of my Facebook friends go nuts over this stuff. And the reason I'm featuring the Hydrogel this week is because it has a different thing going for it that some other ones of these don't. It's expensive, but it's worth it. This Hydrogel stuff, you spray it on like it was liquid, and it comes out like a liquid. But when it comes out, it's a very light gel so that when you put it in the wound, it actually sticks to the wound. It doesn't you know, like drip down. Like, so mm-hmm. if you have a wound that's up underneath or one that's hard to get to, you can use this and you can get a really good covering of the wound with the hydrogel. I have not had anyone who I have heard that has used this that hasn't come back and said, oh my goodness, this is the best thing ever. You can use this on all your furry friends and feathered friends. You can use it on horses, dogs, cats, birds, it's just amazing, and it's clean stuff. I would highly recommend it. Give it a try. And I know the one nice thing about the Vetricin uh, is that you can use it in, in areas that are flexible, your joints and yes. ankles and knees and things like that, and it provides that extra barrier even for flies and things as well, too. Yeah, that, you know what? I had uh, exactly that. I had a little cut on my mare's uh, on the inside of her hawk, and every time she would walk, she would pull that thing open. And I got this stuff and used it, and within just a week, it was it was healed. I I can't say enough about it. I would definitely try it. Keep it in your um, tack room. Keep it in your uh, first aid kit uh, when you're on the road as well. Just go to equestriancollections.com and search for Hydrogel, H-Y-D-R-O-G-E-L, and you'll find the Vetricin Wound and Infection Hydrogel, and you can pick up a bottle of it there. Today for our trainer tip, we have with us Cindy Ishoy. She's a four-time Olympian and a team bronze medal winner for Canada. Okay. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. So uh, you're here for the training tip. What uh, What is it? Okay. Well, this is, you know, um, because I teach all across North America and in Europe as well. Uh, one of the things I see right now is the lack of uh, system that's, um, and, the, and the lack of lo- uh, long-term and short-term goals. And so I, I think my training tip would be, that um, you have to, as a rider, you have to have a daily goal, you have to have a weekly, monthly, every three months, six months, and a yearly goal, and then the long-term goal would be every four years, like for an Olympics World Championships. The thing I'm saying is that people don't realize how much work it is, and they think that, you know, I'll just buy an expensive horse or a fancy horse, and then go on and, um, and ride in the Olympics. And, you know, really... 
that is not the formula for excellence. And when you're going to the Olympics or the World Championships or the young riders at any level, the goal should be excellence, not just getting on a team. So uh, what I'd like to see is, is the dogmatic, systematic gymnastic training. And that, in my opinion, from what I've seen over the last three or four years, is, is somewhat lacking. And if you ask riders what their daily goal is, they really don't know. And, and a, lot, a lot of the coaches are not giving it to them either. Uh, of course, there are some excellent coaches, obviously, and, and riders that are this, this way oriented. But it's very, very important to understand that it's systematic gymnastic training. You don't just one day say, well, today we're going to do Sapiaf, or oh, now it's shoulder in day. It is just all of those exercises are really just suppling, strengthening exercises, and they should be used as such. So that, that would be my training tip, that you have to, you, it takes a team to make top international rider horse combinations. It takes a great trainer. It takes a great horse. It takes a great disciplined rider that wants to learn. It takes a great farrier. It takes a great vet. And nobody makes it to the Olympics by accident. It, it, it has to be a plan and a long-term plan at that. And um, you need that team because when there are setbacks, and there are setbacks both for rider and horse because both of them are athletes, you need your team to be there to support you and to help you through the tough times. And, um, and you need those goals to, and, and to reestablish goals on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So I think basically that's my tip, to understand it's a long-term goal. It's about good riding, good horsemanship, good nutrition. I mean, it, it's a whole, a whole thing, and that's definitely lacking at this time. So can you give us a, uh, maybe an example of a daily plan versus a monthly plan? Versus maybe uh, uh, a three three month plan. I think it's the the short term that people have uh, the biggest problem with. You know that everybody has huge goals, but it's hard to have kind of small goals that that you can achieve. Uh, that's very true, and and you know one of the things that that. Um the dressage is, is it systematic gymnastic training. So, I mean, for example, at the lower levels, a, a daily goal would be to do excellent 10-meter circles, excellent 20-meter circles, excellent 15-meter circles to ride your corners properly, to work on your position. A, a big thing I've seen, particularly at the young rider level, is that the riders aren't working on their position. So if you could, on a daily basis, conquer the weak part of your position, at least for 15 minutes of your ride. That's a, that's a daily goal. If you can do a 20-meter circle in rhythm with the correct bend balancing on the outside rein, that's an excellent daily goal. And that should be an excellent daily goal from the basic level straight through to Grand Prix. And then from there you go to 15-meter circles, 10-meter circles. Out of 10 meters, out of excellent 10-meter circles comes shoulder in. Out of shoulder in, 10-meter circles, comes traver. Then the half pass. All of them just advancing in the suppling exercise. So depending on what level you're schooling at, your goal is to be as good as you can be every single day. That, that's a daily goal. I mean, hey, I, I see... Uh, uh, yeah? Oh, no, I was just going to ask, as a coach, do you sit down and have this conversation with your students? Is that something an amateur or a junior rider should should sort of require from their coach is, hey, let's sit down and, and, and develop this plan. Is it a written plan or how do you work that with your own students? You know, with, with my students, um, 
it's been a long time actually since I've had some some young writers in. More of my my students are more mature writers, and um, so we verbalize it. But if I had a young writer coming in that said, in two years, I want to ride young riders, um, and and the horse that could do it, and they were already on their way. If they came to me with a four-year-old, I'd say it's not possible to do it well. And so, um, actually, I don't even think it's possible because I think they have to be seven to compete at that St. George. But I would, um, I would sit down, and, we, and, um, and I've just come to realize how important it is. I didn't used to do this because I assumed that people knew this. I no longer assume anything as a coach, right? <laughs> so um, now I would sit down and say, this is what I want, to be, I want you to accomplish by the end of the week, by the end of the month, in three months, in six months, in a year. And, and, and it would be logical. Understanding that you don't, you don't train on a totally up, uphill scale, right? You train forward, you plateau, you backslide, you plateau, you train forward. I mean, that's just part of training, whether it's human or horse. Nobody just trains perfectly right up to the peak. Sadly, that doesn't happen. And it's actually not possible physically for it to happen because, you know, you end up with little injuries and, and mental setbacks as well. So as a coach, you have to work with all of that. But I, I would now sit down and, and do a, a, a game plan, and I'd like them to just keep a calendar and, and to keep um, – I'd like to know what they think their weaknesses are because sometimes they think their weaknesses are completely different to what you see their weaknesses as. I'd like them to tell me what they think their horse's weaknesses and strengths are because, again, they might be viewing it in a completely different – level or place than you are so yes you should I, yes the answer is yes you should have that conversation with your coach now do you think it's a, important to be keeping a diary do a lot of your students keep a diary or do you find that a little bit detracting i mean sometimes i think that you have to write it down and talk about it and then other times i think that maybe you should just just kind of do it right i i see well, I, so, I with some students, a lot of discussion is great, but some, too much is, is overwhelming and overpowering. Absolutely. And absolutely, you're right. But I am, um, like when, I'm getting re- when I was getting ready for Olympics and World Championships, I would have a diary. But if you looked at my diaries, it would go same as yesterday, same as yesterday, same as yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so that you, you're not overwhelming yourself, you're not overwhelming your horse. And, um, and then, because it's interesting to see, check nutrition, did blood work, um, you know, horse is not putting on the muscle the way it should. Ask, talk to your vet. Talk to a nutritionist. You know, I'm not really happy with the way his feet are. Talk to your farrier. I'm not an expert at that. I need input on that. No coach is an expert on everything. That's why we need a team. So uh, I would like people to, to keep a diary. And sometimes, like, I've, I've had a couple of people keep a diary, and I've looked at it really quickly, and I go, you know, we're seeing this completely differently. Yeah. And then you can discuss it, and that helps them overcome a slump. Right. And, and right. so that, yeah. for, for that you purpose... You're not, butting, you're not butting heads too much. Well, it's not even butting heads. It's misunderstanding. Right. Because a lot of people don't understand the physiological part of training as well, right? And, and so they're like, they have these massive goals. And I'm like, you know, um, I couldn't run a 5K if I can't run half a K, right? right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, th- I think that it's really important to keep that in in perspective. Or, um, you know what, how do you expect your horse to be fit enough to do this when you're not fit enough? You're huffing and puffing. So let's address that. Do you have somebody else that can help you with that? If a rider's really crooked, I will send them to a sports medicine therapist to, to get them as even, how can you expect a horse to be even if you're completely crooked? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. all do the best we can. None of us are completely straight. 
but but there are people that for, through injuries or over, overdevelopment, um, like tennis players and so on, that that come to riding later, and they're they're very crooked because obviously you you lose your you use your dominant side, right? So I will send them to people that will help them to even out as much as possible, and. Um, you know, the, the knowledge that I have now has come over many, many years of listening, watching, training with the best trainers in the world, being to sports medicine therapists and, and learning from them, learning from vets. I, I also think that a lot of the up-and-coming riders aren't taking advantage of being there when their vets are there or, or being, you know, listening to sports medicine therapists and that. I, right. I think that, that so many people can teach you so much and that only makes the whole process better. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for your your tips today. So, Philip, I, I keep a training diary, and I really do try to work with my students uh, on goals and and a daily goal and a weekly goal. And if we're trying to get to a championships, how do you how do you do it? Do you keep a diary? I'm not great about doing a diary or you know kind of sitting down to write things out. I should be way better at it, but you know I think. I do a lot of just, you know, before I get on a horse or, or before I do a lesson, I do always a, a mental preparation as a, you know, kind of a checklist. Okay, when did I see this person last? When did I ride this horse last? What did, what did we get done? What do I want to do today? What would be, you know, a goal for the next week? Or, you know, so I'm always having conversations uh, with myself, with, with my riders. Some, some of my riders keep a, a written journal. I think it's really handy and I should be better about it. Um, myself to follow through with some of these things but it just it gets so busy and and by the end of the day just kind of mentally exhausted to uh to get it done but uh, i'm glad to hear that you that that you're doing it because i think it's helpful well i think it is i mean i i don't do it on a daily basis but i do do it uh when i go to clinics or you know i have a particular ride where i have a kind of a that light bulb moment like oh yeah she was great today or or oh my goodness i got my young horse to do this so i do keep it that way i don't necessarily keep one every day uh and i i i respect everybody that can i think that's really important and uh all my students that are in full training and, and, and I see them every day, I really do encourage that. And yeah. I tell them to, to do it right when they leave the barn. You know, have it in your car. Yeah, and fresh. Yeah, take two or three minutes on, on what we worked on that day and what exercise and, and why we did it. I think that's really important to do yeah. that. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. I'll pick it up. So what do we got <laughs> yeah. next week? Well, you know, this week uh, here in Kentucky and, and I think all throughout the country, it's very, very hot uh, we broke 100 degrees today, and, and we can be hot in the summer, but it's brutal. So uh, I think that a, bit, that a lot of us this week are dealing with that. And, and I, I don't know about anyone else, but I, I was up at 5 this morning. Uh, you know, I wanted to get yeah. my my main group of horses done. I really, I think it's, it's so hot. And, uh, I have, you know, my vet, we, we always talk about kind of heat prevention and, and how we can be good horsemen in the heat. Uh, we're lucky right now, no horses are showing, uh, for the next couple weeks. So we can go a little bit easy and, yeah. and, uh, we're, have them all under the fans and uh you know we leave the the horses that don't have shade we leave them in the barn till you know I'll turn out here uh when when the sun's going down so i think that's important that that we all watch that as as horsemen and give them the the appropriate electrolytes and that type of thing so i i hope everyone else uh, is 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 dealing with it and and it's not comfortable 
Yeah, well, I mean, we uh, we're pretty hot here too. I'm not sure if it's as hot as uh, as you guys are in Kentucky, but uh, we got to do the same thing: get up real early, or you know, do do some lessons later on, and uh, and try and do everything we can to uh, to keep the horses comfortable and that they can perform at their peak, right? And not and not ask them to to do their job when it's a little bit you know too too hot or 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 anything. Yeah. So, are you have any shows coming up, or what's uh, well, we, we're on? pretty quiet. We have the Young Rider Championships here in a couple weeks. So uh, I think what, what Cindy was talking about, I'm going to really talk about with my student tomorrow. I, as an instructor, have have an idea for her, the Young Riders, uh, and won't be next week or in three weeks, actually. And we're, we're very lucky because it's 10 minutes from my barn. Um, but, you know, we're going to work on what Cindy talked about. What's our daily goal and, and kind of what do we need to do to get uh, to the championships, so we'll keep yeah. uh, keep you informed on how we're we're yeah, doing. Yeah, that's how it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my rider doesn't know she's on the radio, but uh, no, that'll be that'll be fun. So that's kind of what we have. That's a that's a big one for us. How about you guys? Well, um, actually, I'm on a little bit of a vacation right now. Uh, we have a long weekend here in Canada for uh, Canada Day on uh, on Monday. So, um, you know, in the heat, I just decided we would just take a couple days off and and do a little bit of relaxing. We got no shows coming up in the immediate future, but, uh, you know, I think it's kind of halfway, I, I think of it almost as halfway through summer. We started show, we started showing early and, and so, uh, um, we need a bit of a break, you know? So, Oh, super jealous, super jealous. <laughs> I wish we were that, that, uh, Travis and I were up with you guys, but, uh, no, I hope you have a great weekend and, and it's the 4th of July here on Wednesday. So I hope everyone, uh, gets out, uh, their, their, their USA stuff for you guys, your Canada stuff. And, yeah. and we want to get out our foam fingers for sure. So, but I really want to give a shout out to a new listener who happens to be my very, very hardworking assistant, uh, Rachel Sawinski. Uh, Rachel is my, uh, ex- she says uh, she's my uh, assistant ex- extraordinaire, and she is. And, and I wanted to give a shout out because she's now listening every week. And um, feel free to, to send us some constructive criticism uh, and, and tell us how we're doing. Uh, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, and Philip, next week we have Adrian Lyle and Jan Ebling on, yeah. and uh, that should be really fun. That's great. I'm I'm looking forward to that interview because we need to get the other half of the team, right? So uh, see yeah, how they're exactly doing. That's exactly right. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on their website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. And my website, you can find me at maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. Philip, where can we find you? My website is philipparksequestrian.com. And thanks to our sponsors, uh, Equestrian Collections and Draper Horse Therapies. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the horseradionetwork.com. And I hope everyone has a great 4th of July weekend. And uh, Philip, I hope you and Canada enjoy Canada Day. It's going to be great. Thanks very much, Reese.